<coughs> I'm ready. I don't even know how we're going to do this. This is Elisa. <laughs> this is Kyle. I mean, you don't have to sing it. <laughs> Welcome to PCR. <laughs> Welcome to PCR. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the second episode of PCR, the podcast of UConn Research. Last episode, we gave a brief introduction into who we are. My name is Kyle Drake. And I'm Elisa White. We talked about what we do. We both do research in Dr. Rahul's Kanadia's lab in the Department of Physiology and Neurobiology. And we talked about how we got involved in research. Which can be found in the first episode. So today we take a bit of a different turn as we're uh, joined by Dr. Rodenka Merich, the Vice President of Research here at the University of Connecticut. And Thank you for taking the time to talk to us today. Good morning, and thank you for having me. <laughs> so first we want to talk about uh, the university as a whole. And so there's almost 2,000 research faculty here. There's close to a million square feet of research space and about $260 million funded for research. So we want to know exactly how does the Office of the Vice President of Research oversee all of this, and what exactly is your role in this as the Vice President? So let me just emphasize that the university saw the tremendous growth in last uh, seven years, and uh, we really have to be grateful to our government, Connecticut government, that uh, put the faith in us and invested in the next-gen bioscience and and many other initiatives that you can see across campus, innovation partnership building. So what the vice president of research office is doing, it's uh, it's a complex uh, uh, many activities, but uh, the most important one is really overseeing and supporting the research as well as creative uh, activities that are happening at across the school and and all campuses. Mm-hmm. So it's collaborating both with the research going on and, and extending and branching out to the government of Connecticut to sort of form an internetwork. To pursue. Correct, but yeah. uh, it, it's more supporting research right. and creative activities uh, and research at all campuses, uh, including the Yukon Health, mm-hmm. you know, that we many times don't think about because they are at the different right. locations, but there is so much going on in Avery, Stanford, uh, uh, as well as uh, Harford and the Yukon Health Center. Mm-hmm. So I know diversity is important uh-huh. in uh, research not only with the subject matter, but mm-hmm. also the people who are doing research. So mm-hmm. do you guys have initiatives to outreach the to research that's less science-based, since that's what we're mm-hmm. interested in, but more like humanities, the digital arts? like Absolutely, that. because the research is always part, uh, creativity is always part of the research. Mm-hmm. So, you know, many of our scientists are actually the great, uh, great uh, musicians, and they play instruments, and... Uh, mm-hmm. You will be surprised if to interview how many professors in School of Engineering or Physics or Biology or Chemistry are playing instruments. So I think we all have that creative angle when it comes to research. And, uh, you know, the creativity and humanity comes from actually liberal science. It comes from social sciences, from digital media. And we are very tuned with what is coming up with the technologies and art and how we can implement that uh, toward our research, how we interpret or understand the new sciences or what is the new angle that we look when we when we think of the creativity and research. Right. And so not only are you the vice president of research, but you're also a research professor here. Mm-hmm. So do you find it tough to balance, you know, the executive position of overseeing the research while also maintaining your drive and passion to do science? 
Uh, I had been always passionate about science since since my my childhood, right. and I want to always be in touch with science because that way you really understand the problems what mm -hmm. scientists and students are facing today. Uh, so I talked to President Provost to approve me to spend one day and have a support for my students and my lab because you need to translate that passion that you have in yourself, and the only way uh, doing that is being on the floor. Right. But at the same time, you have a better understanding what your colleagues are going through, what they are trying to ac accomplish, and how you can help them to be successful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it helps you stay grounded. Absolutely, okay. absolutely. Okay. So before you came to Yukon, uh -huh. we know that you worked in industry, uh -huh. you uh, went to Japan. Uh -huh. What exactly brought you here? Uh, so at one point of my life, I was thinking that after the national lab experience, industry experience, I always had a passion for the young people and working with young people. So even when I was in industry, I will bring the students to do the internship at national lab. We work with, uh, uh, with University of British Columbia students in Vancouver. So my lab was always populated with students. And I thought that at some point of my life, I really want to go to the classroom and uh, and project and uh, you know empower our young people to mm -hmm. think that research is fun that it's not stereotype that is not boring you know right. that you have to go to lab that you change society and the world just being active being creative and don't be afraid of what you are doing mm -hmm. you know so research is about more about the failures than about successes right. and and through those steps in the lab you learned and in the classroom and my philosophy is always you know teach one learn twice because mm -hmm. you learn from books but you also learn from your students yeah so we love that answer because that's exactly the goal of this podcast right to talk to professors and, and people in higher power and and not only share the research going on here but reveal why professors and researchers got involved in science in the first place um we both are are under the understanding that science in the u.s at least from where we're from was more taught when we were growing up as a checklist as in an experiment, do steps A, B, and C, and you'll get result X, and not necessarily understanding and asking the fundamental questions of why things work the way they do and how things connect, but just knowing things for the sake of taking a test, almost. Mm -hmm. um, do you feel where you grew up, you had a better science training that inspired you for this? or? or uh, you know, what happened, you know, I was, uh, you know, my master and PhD was in Japan and they have very rigorous training. So, you know, there are a lot of, you know, protocols and how you do the things. And, uh, and you are afraid of making mistakes. And I think you learn the most when you make mistakes because that's how we are wired and <laughs> what our <laughs> yeah. brain brain remembers. But on the other hand, hand you know, nobody wants to fly uh, with a pilot that's making mistakes and learns on the job. <laughs> <laughs> so they are definitely the jobs that you have to do to perfection to minimize, the, minimize mistakes. Mm -hmm. and, and that's what we always teach our students to understand what is the error and how to minimize the error but also not to be afraid to to try the new things so right. there is a fine angle between trying the new things failing being creative mm -hmm. and then making it perfect yeah that that makes sense that's exactly what we're always told that failure is something that you learn from and absolutely it's expected, absolutely yeah. and nobody should be punished i think i always yeah. encourage students you know understand why did you make the error and don't move move to solve mm -hmm. it until you really have understanding it was your action lack of knowledge lack of communication what happened you know? yeah exactly 
So if it's not too personal, uh-huh. we kind of like to ask uh, where you grew up and uh-huh. if you had any like influences from family members yeah. or relatives or friends that kind of pushed you to do science or if this was like more self-driven. Yeah, I was born in former Yugoslavia. So when I grown up, I spent uh, a lot of time with my mother's family in Austria and, and Yugoslavia. And that really like being able to speak a few languages and experiences uh, different cultures. It makes you curious. Mm-hmm. You you try to understand why. Why at one place they are doing this way and the other place they are doing the other way. And I always admire Japanese creativity when it comes to art, but also precision science and uh, and industry, you know, just seeing what happened after the Second World War and how they rebuild and their excellence in engineering. So I think because of my curious nature and and what I wanted to explore, I always believe that world doesn't have the boundaries, that boundaries are always just our fear, what limits us. Mm So I had experience to live in different cultures. I was never afraid to experiment and mm-hmm. move and try and do myself and always challenge myself. I think the biggest growth you experience when you challenge yourself. Mm-hmm. So that's why you went to Japan. You, uh-huh. you enjoy yeah. their culture, their Absolutely. art. Absolutely. Um, why specifically did you pursue research in material science and engineering? Uh, I did, uh, you know, I a lot of whatever we touch today is, is a materials, right. you know. So, And I was always passionate about environments. Mm-hmm. I was always passionate uh, about, you know, energy, how you can change things, how you touch the things, what can you make with mm-hmm. your hands, how you can shape or reshape or break things. Mm-hmm. So, you know, somehow I went on that part, you know. Right, yeah. It's all around us. I mean, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's exactly. And we still don't understand many things. So that's why we do science. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right. So neither of us really have extensive background uh-huh. in that subject matter. Uh-huh. Would you be able to give us and more lay people like a basic understanding and description of your research? Okay. So I will tell you in 1996, I worked on the catalyst uh, that are used for building the electrical car, actually not the electrical car, but fuel cells car mm-hmm. that uh, run on the on the hydrogen and they produce electricity and water. And that was, you know, like 20 years ago, and now I see those cars on the street, you know. So for me, is the is the big pride of saying, you know, I work with some mm-hmm. of those catalysts that are now in Toyota's right. Mirai car, and Mirai means the future, you know. So it will take a lot of time, but I almost feel like 20 years is short. So if you look what happened with computers or, or new ways of communications or wh- how Internet changed our life, how we communicate, how we search, you know, how we gain the new knowledge so I can see the technologies that I was part of you know from the from the early age seeing now on the street and my heart always beam you know when I see those cars and you know and they brought them two years ago to campus and our (laughs) former provost Moon Choi was driving and I was running behind and just recording him because (laughs) I've had such excitement you know it's very rewarding absolutely you know because that's the way when you see that you know what you've done in the labs and it was at such a small scale, now society benefits from that. Mm-hmm. And I, for me, it's always big picture of the society, you know, how right. we improve our way of living or environments or energy. So my research is really about uh, energy and mm-hmm. environments. So. And, and so what we've learned from doing, uh, looking up on your, your faculty page is that you're focused on, like you just said, 
taking the small scale and making it large scale for for public use, right? And uh, with the RSDT, the reactive spray yeah. deposition technology, this is a way to optimize the process of mm-hmm. producing mm-hmm. fuel cells, right? Of limiting the expensive materials. And it's also beneficial in that it can become large scale. Mm-hmm. And so that's the implications for society, right? Is that yeah. this efficient process yeah. can be used and extrapolated. Yeah. And, I, and I worked on many processes before coming right. up yes. and working, focusing more on that one. Because we always, in, in manufacturing and scale up, you know, we use some of the processes to create, uh, to have the better control control at the molecular atomic level Mm -hmm. to see what's going on. But at some point, we need to scale up the process in order to make the product. Mm -hmm. So you can go from fundamental science and and look interfaces, and that's something that is very important. But on the other hand, somebody has to make it work. So I always had that engineering wiring thinking, how can I make it work? How can I make it roll-to-roll process? And I think that comes from my industry training, you know, Definitely. saying, you know, how you can implement what is happening in the lab mm-hmm. that you take to the floor. Yeah. So you've taken, yeah, so it's, yeah. You've, you have the the floor wet work training of yeah. in the lab, the industry mm-hmm. training of mm-hmm. large scale, and now you've sort of taken that drive and connection mm-hmm. to even just in general, driving UConn forward with new projects such as the mm-hmm. Innovation Partnership Building mm-hmm. um, on Discovery Drive. So can you tell us more about this project? Who will be you know, going to be working there and what opportunities maybe will be provided for UConn students in this location? I think industry partnership building is amazing, uh, is amazing project because that will enable us to work closer with industry and support industry from the fundamental science all the way to applied science. So this is a true partnership between the industry and UConn, UConn faculties and our students where we want to innovate for the industry. So uh, we have a lot of investment from the companies like Eversource, mm-hmm. United Technology, Pratt & Whitney, just to mention a few of them. And some of the institutes like Fraunhofer Institutes are going to move. So this makes very attractive place. In that, uh, in that building, we are going to have the 13 electron microscopes. And uh, we are the second one ac- after the Oak Ridge National Lab in the number of the microscopes. And nobody knows that. So just <laughs> I'm Exciting, even bringing right. my colleagues from Boston and uh, and around the country and, and showing them because that opens the new doors for collaborations, not only just with industry, but as well with other schools, because that way we can do more cross-cutting research and more complex research that otherwise it would be difficult. So I'm really uh, living at the best time, I think, of the Yukon at exactly time, and I want to build up on that momentum. Okay. Yeah, this seems like it'll be a nice building for that, for Mm -hmm. collaborating between industry and then also other universities. Um, Will there be opportunities for students to do internships or will they be doing research or will they even potentially be able to extend that to a job or a career? Uh, You know, in all our projects, we have undergraduate and graduate students. We always invite them. They're always welcome to our labs. And I think we invite 
we created environments in the innovation partnership building, we are going to have the, you know, the walls, we call them the brainstorming walls, when you can, you know, students will come, you know, professors will come and we, we will share our ideas and write on the walls. We will have a nice sitting areas. We will, we are creating something in the small scale, like what you see at the Google, you know, that yeah. every corner of the building smells innovation and you can see those. And I, I truly believe once when we open that many students will just come to, to be part of that environment and that creative culture. Yeah. So. I think this will bring like the Yukon community together. Absolutely, in a, and it's a it's a way. spectacular building. It's it's a, something that we never dreamed of. You know, thanks to our you know architect that created that in, you know inviting space, and uh, you know thanks to industry that supported us as well as the Connecticut government that invested in the building and uh, and facilities. One other thing I want to mention, this is not necessarily a question, but mm -hmm. when we were looking stuff up about the Innovation Partnership mm -hmm. Building and the information provided by the Office of Vice President of Research, we found the Innovation Portal online. And I myself didn't even know that this existed. And it's a very cool uh, website, which integrates all the research that's going on on campus, mm -hmm. both large scale and small scale, because mm -hmm. you can um, easily maneuver and, and understand yeah. different blurbs from mm -hmm. grants provided. Mm -hmm for different research faculty. And I think that's also a great... Mm -hmm. uh, the way the, of bringing the community together exactly. and understanding yeah. what Absolutely. Being able to on. integrate all the research going on here in a, in a you know accessible way to, to have all the information at your fingertips, essentially, which is... Uh, you, um, you know, we, we understand that the communication is the number one. Right. You know, that mm -hmm. for people to know what we have, we have to have the, you know, internet, we have to go out, and you are the first group that I'm giving interviews. <laughs> <laughs> that you. shows, you know, that I really appreciate what our students are doing, right. and I want to, you know, words to come out, you know, what, what UConn and what research and creativity at UConn are all about. Yeah. It's about community, mm -hmm. and communities are first our students, you know, you are the product of, of our our work right. and our passion and why we come to teach, you know, and that's definitely the reason why I came to Yukon. So <laughs> so for us it's it's really, you know, what kind of opportunities do we give to our students to go out to the world, to understand what world of today it is, what are the skills that you have to have that we have to teach mm -hmm. you in order to land the good jobs. And I'm sure you right. know if you get good jobs you will always think, you know, how much did you gain thanks to Yukon and, and environments that we created at Yukon. For sure. So we are trying as much as possible to communicate, participate in many events, but definitely like putting more on the internet because that's the way how our students search for yeah. information mm -hmm. and all of us. This, exactly. It has to be accessible. Right. Yeah. So the innovation portal is ip.yukon.edu, mm -hmm. correct? And we encourage everyone to go check that out. It's very cool. Yeah. Um, so I'm a graduate student here. Mm -hmm. and Kyle is undergraduate. Uh -huh. um, and we know this is a very research-oriented campus, and the purpose of our podcast is to explain to students and connect with other students who don't really know how to get involved in research uh -huh. and don't really know what research is going on here. Uh -huh. So what advice um, from your position would you like to share for the students who want to get involved with research and what's the best approach and all that you know, there are different approaches. You can search on, on, on web and see who are the professors that 
and you know like that you can have a good match what do you want to do what they offer mm -hmm. if you don't know you know what do you want but you still know i want to be in chemical engineering department go and, and see uh, head of department he's amazing person and, and tell what you want to do i think the most important thing that you are not afraid of uh, of saying what kind of the research are you envisioning that you can do and each of us at some point knows people who are doing or had been in touch you know across the campus and can redirect you but i always says you know first initiative has to be from you don't be afraid to write to professor don't be afraid to knock on the door and doors will be open when you knock you know our old professors are really passionate to working with students and whenever we have the projects we are looking you know diverse group of the students from not only our department but we bring the students from other department mm -hmm. So it's a self-reflection of what you want to Absolutely. do. Absolutely. Abs I think the people yourself. only excel when they do what they want to do, not when they are told what to do. Because you have to go in the lab and be passionate. Yeah. And uh, and you have sometimes, because you don't understand problems, uh, spend extra you know, hours learning. Mm -hmm. And you can only do that when you are passionate about what 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 you want to achieve and what is your objective. So I think it's more self-reflecting and saying this is the kind of the knowledge or experience that mm -hmm. I want to gain. Right, because science is more of a lifestyle and a mindset rather than Absolute work job. and a job. Absolutely. Not... Ab don't, don't think as a manual. Think right. about exact. I always bring creativity back. Mm -hmm. Be creative yeah. of what yeah. you want to do. You yeah. know? So um, I guess before we get to the next question, what just simply one line, then what advice would you share to somebody like us who are just getting involved in research, right? We're just starting our careers as scientists. What is the most important thing you've learned in this field and, and what would you share? Be authentic, be passionate, and don't give up. Sure and sweet. And so lastly, we just, you know, over the course of the next 10, 20 years, where do you see the direction of UConn headed in terms of the future of research here. We know with the IBP building, there's clearly an initiative and a drive to connect industry and, and the research going on here, like we just talked about. But 10, 20 years, where do you think we will be? You know, I think we will be amazing place. I can tell you that from the time that I came in 2010, and if I was not at UConn since 2010, I will have a hard time to recognize the place. <laughs> so I see tremendous opportunities mm -hmm. and growth, and I see the you know, the vision of, of our leaderships, the vision of our state and, and economy. It's about the jobs. It's about education and educating the next generation of the students that will contribute to our economy. So I truly believe that you can place, uh, you know, tremendous role in the, in the state of Connecticut and, you Definitely. know, where, where are we going to be in next 10, 20 years? <laughs> so I, I, I really, I'm amazed with the progress so far, and I, I don't see why it will not go exponentially as it is going now. Yeah, so. it's an exciting time to be here. Absolutely. It's fantastic. I always says I don't want to live in the quiet corner. I want to live in the vibrant corner. And <laughs> you and I, we are all responsible right. for creating UConn to be a vibrant corner. So. All right. Well, that's all we have. Um, thank you very much yeah, for like coming to today. Thank you. This was awesome. Thank you, guys. <laughs> yes. You know, I really appreciate the opportunity. And uh -huh. uh, any time that you want me to reach out to our students, I will be more than happy to right. do that. Yeah, so maybe we could talk to you after IPB 
opens. And Absolutely. Yeah, and I want on. to bring our students community. I want to have the, you know, mm -hmm. like that they come, that they can have the tours. They can see what they can do, what IPB about, because right. I believe every of our student is our champion. So. Awesome. Well, thank you very thank much, you so Dr. Much. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you. So we're really thankful for our first guest, Dr. Redenka Marich, for taking the time to talk to us about her research experience, as well as the upcoming initiatives going on here at UConn. If you're interested in learning more about the specific research going on, as well as learning about the new innovative partnership building, IPB, we invite you to check out the innovation portal at ip.ucon.edu. And just finally to reiterate, both Kyle and I really want this to be a conversation within the STORES community. So if you have any questions or suggestions, we encourage our listeners to reach out to us by emailing us at yukon.pcr at gmail.com. As always, good morning, good evening, or good night, and we hope you listen to the next episode. <laughs>